I would ask if you will please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the second chapter. I'm going to read the first ten verses of this very familiar portion. I'm reading from the authorized version this morning. My Thanksgiving meditations are always somewhat brief, but I pray that the Lord will use this brief exposition of His Word in our hearts and lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we serve the God of truth, the God who is truth Himself. As we turn to this Word, we believe that this is the inerrant Word of God. It is without error in the whole and in the part. And that is why we base our lives upon it. It is God's Word. And as we read this passage of Scripture, this portion of Thy Word, may we be especially grateful on this day for the truths that are set forth here, rich and wonderful, even though barely touched upon this morning. May our hearts continue to feast upon these things throughout this day and with our families. And if there are those who are here or by live stream, or who later will hear this message from thy word that do not know Christ. We pray for the powerful and efficacious work of the Holy Spirit in those whom thou dost intend to draw, and that many would come to know Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And these things we ask in the name of Christ, who is the head and king of his church. Amen. Please stand for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 2, the first 10 verses. This is the Word of God. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the ex exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. People of God, you may think that this is an unusual text for a Thanksgiving service, but as I contemplated where we are in our country, in our culture, and some of us in various places in our personal lives, it can feel as if the ground underneath is shaking, that all around things seem to be, in many ways, falling apart. 
We who know the Lord know that he is the sovereign God who is in control of everything that we see to be chaotic. But I want to take these few minutes to focus upon that which nothing in life, nothing in death, nothing in culture can take away from us. Shall we not be thankful for what no one and nothing can take from us? And when we see that which cannot be taken from us to be the free grace of God? Or to put it another way, shall we not be thankful on this Thanksgiving day that nothing can take from us God himself who is the God of grace in the lives of his people? And where do we find the grace of God more greatly extolled than in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2? Now we see several things here. The first thing we see is our miserable, stressing that word miserable, condition outside of Christ. In verse 1, there's spiritual death, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, which means that we were completely insensible to spiritual things that our understanding was dead. I don't mean by that that we could not use logic. We could say two plus two equals four in our lost condition. What we did not understand is that two plus two equals four because it reflects ultimate rationality in the mind of the triune God. We were devoid of any understanding of those ultimate issues. Our will was bound in sin. We were powerless to take even a step toward God or toward his gospel, incapable of recovering ourselves from our lost estate. And we were conformed to the vile practices of this present age, we see in verses 2 and 3. Lending that to the heart that produced an ungrateful heart toward God ungrateful, proud, self-deceived. I was contemplating earlier this week Adam before the fall and thinking about the pristine state of Adam and the Edenic state of that place in which he lived and how before the fall, as he walked with God, he would have been so grateful for everything. And yet he sinned. He transgressed the law of God. And all of us, sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. And because of that, we are ungrateful and proud and self-deceived. The text goes on to say that we were enslaved. In verse 2, enslaved to Satan. In verse 3, we were enslaved to sin. And these things need to be preached overtly, not just skirted around. We were so enslaved to sin that we would rather have been condemned then part with our sin, will or desire to come to Christ. And we were under the wrath of God. Notice the end of verse 3. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The wrath of God abided upon us. Last week as we were talking about why the unbeliever cannot do good works, biblically defined, one of those many reasons is because all that the unbeliever does outside of Christ, everything that is done by any fallen human being is under the wrath of God. 
Scripture never flatters unrenewed human nature. God is angry with the wicked every day, Psalm 7:10 through 12. This is the corruption of our nature commonly called original sin. This is who we were outside of Christ. And I think that even though every true believer understands something of this, when we come to faith in Christ, we are made to know our sin and our transgression. Yet as we go on in the Christian life, we deepen in our understanding of what it means that we were fallen and indeed lost and that we were helpless and hopeless. Verse 4, however, brings a happy turn in the text. And we see secondly, but God, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. We were dead in trespasses and sins, verse 4, but God. We were conformed to vile practices, but God. We were enslaved to Satan, but God. We were enslaved to our sin, but God. We were under the wrath of God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And in verse 4, there are these two wonderful words that we would, would at least pause for a moment to note. There is the word mercy. God coming to us, speeding to us, who were criminals against his law. And God's love is mentioned in verse 4. Who can begin to even, to even comprehend, as Paul says in the third chapter of this, the height and depth and length and breadth of the love of God that is shown to us in Christ. While I was yet a sinner, his love did not depend upon who I was. It did not depend upon anything within me. There was nothing lovely that would attract him. Uh, it is free. His grace, his mercy, his love is free, arising from his own heart, determined by his own will, not determined by anything within me. Thank God, otherwise I would be lost forever. And of course, all of this is traceable if we will remember the prior chapter, chapter 1 of Ephesians, to the electing grace of God and his eternal purpose and plan to save his people in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us. It's all traceable to his electing grace. Grace. And so he says at the end of verse 5, by grace are ye saved. And the apostle by divine inspiration writes here in verse 8, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all of grace. The source of that grace 
is God's own will and love. It is within him. His decrees are within himself. The origin of that eternal grace is in his eternal decree. The movement of that grace is toward chosen sinners. The promise is security forever. The channel of reception is faith because faith is not a work. Faith is the gift of God enabling us simply to receive Christ preached to us in the gospel message. Grace, the favor of God to the ill-deserving, the undeserving, the hell-deserving, that's grace. No works of any kind performed by us contribute to it. His work is the sole ground. Christ's death on the cross is the sole ground of my confidence, behind which is God's eternal plan. Now someone here, perhaps for the first time, needs to recognize this, needs to see this, because there is an unwillingness for us to admit that we are as sinful as the scriptures say we are because we've not seen ourselves in light of God's holiness and because our culture does everything that it can to help us to think that we're basically good people and we are not. We're fallen, needy sinners. Have you seen that? May the Spirit of God work even now to open someone's heart and to deepen that commitment, understanding of truth in the Christian's heart today. But then we see thirdly the results of God's intervention. The dead sinner now lives. Verses 5 and 6, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together in Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ. We are now in union with Christ, alive and in union with Jesus Christ. And do you know what power was required in order that we might be raised out of spiritual death to spiritual life? Back in chapter 1, in verses 19 and 20, we are told the answer to that question. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? The text says so clearly, so wonderfully, so magnificently that the power that God exerted, the infinite power he exerted, the almighty power he exerted to raise his own son from the dead is the power required to raise us out of spiritual death to spiritual life. So when you read, he has quickened, he has made us alive. My friends, that's what it took. It took the power of God applying the cross to our hearts, granting us life, giving us faith that otherwise we could never have produced, never on our own. So the dead sinner now lives and we have a fruitful walk. We have a different life. It begins with what our walk was like, our conversation, our walk was like outside of Christ. But then in verse 10, how things have changed 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, a fruitful walk. And those who have come to faith in Christ will know him, will know him forever. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Praise God on this Thanksgiving day for the grace of God that has made sinners like us alive. Now, I think on Thanksgiving, this is more than well worth our attention, don't you? That it produces humility, that it produces praise, that it produces thanksgiving in every heart that has been saved by grace. And I was thinking back upon the time when irresistible grace, when God and his irresistible grace came into my sinful dark heart, my dead heart. It was as if the almighty powerful hand of God was squeezing the death out of me when he raised me from the dead and gave me life. I praise him for that. So have you come to faith in Christ? There's no other way but Christ himself. And maybe there's someone that even says, you know, I begin to see, I I begin to understand. I, I long to be raised from the dead. My friend, if you long to be raised from the dead, you've been raised from the dead. The wonderful truth is that all who come to Christ will be saved. Now look to Jesus Christ and be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I say this to every lost sinner and every believer in the Lord Jesus will agree with me in it. There is no greater reason for thanks than the sovereign, free, immutable grace of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Happy Thanksgiving, people of God. Let us briefly pray. Our Father, though the exposition is brief, these wonderful truths of thy sovereign grace are so desperately needed in our lives. Help us, Lord, no matter what happens in the world, in the nation, no matter what comes into our own lives, to be grateful that we know thee for time and for eternity. And make us, Heavenly Father, to be deeply grateful on this day for all of our many blessings that have come to us from thy sovereign loving hand. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.